0: Greg Cathcart, the CEO and founder of Excellus Health Solutions, discusses the power of end-to-end pharma supply chain collaboration right now on the Agile Supply Chain podcast. Greg, w- welcome to the next edition of the uh, the vodcast that we're doing with with key supply chain thought leaders and and partners of of TraceLink. I'm going to first ask you to introduce yourself and and just uh, I'm going to reinforce the fact that the Tracelink uh, um, uh, has sponsored this credo, it's technology and Vendagnostic. agnostic. It's not about our technology or our industry. It's just common sense core principles, which I'm sure you're gonna emphasize. So talk a little bit about Excellus Health yourself, your role You know, through the various years in the pharmaceutical and uh, supply chain industry. And then we can get on to some Tintex discussions.
1: Thanks Roddy, and thanks for having me this morning. Uh, Greg Cathcart here, CEO and founder of Excellence Health. Exilus Health is a supply chain consulting company in the pharma space. We tend to say we work in the end-to-end supply chain. Our, our tagline, Roddy, you'll love this one, is we say from the day that somebody makes a drug till the day that somebody takes a drug. So wow. if you look at that extended supply chain, that's kind of where we spend our time. Prior to that, I spent multiple years at SAP, running a life science practice, And I came from industry. I was in the supply chain organization, Johnson & Johnson, for almost 12 years earlier in my career. So uh, the most recent news, Excellus Health was acquired about five weeks ago today, I believe, exactly, from a multinational global company called NNIT. Novo Nordisk IT basically was the founding name of the company when they spun out from Novo Nordisk back in the mid-90s. Today, NNIT headquartered in Denmark, but global company in Asia, Europe, US has about three thousand employees. We're excited to be part and part of that organization, and uh, been working through uh,
0: how that all is going to come together over the next, uh, you know, multiple years together. Awesome, Greg. So, what do you think? What will it change? How are you going to go about, uh, you know, operating as part of NNIT? And just as a as a sidebar note. I was actually in 1999, 2000, I was part of the NN, NNIT leadership that uh, designed the operating model for what NNIT is today. So my, my, roots, my roots go back quite a long way into this NNIT uh, piece. So talk about what changes and what do you yeah, I mean, look forward to? No, that's a good question. Generally, as you can
1: imagine in a structure like this, we've got some, and it's all public knowledge, you can see it in the press release. We've got a portion of our funding up front and we get some portion of our funding based on some earnout. So generally we're going to run Exodus will be a wholly owned subsidiary or or a group company of NNIT is the official term. But in in five weeks, we've done a lot of collaborative discussions because where NNIT plays today, both in U S and Europe specifically, hasn't been typically where Exodus has played, which is good, right? They've got a big customer base and they do a lot of things around regulatory quality, where we do a lot of things around supply chain. So naturally we're collaborating and, and we will continue to collaborate. Uh, as it relates to Tracelink, we both have had good relationships with Tracelink on a global basis as well. Strategic relationships, including Europe, US, and now China, because NNIT does have a big footprint in China. We are gonna bring that group kind of together so we can talk with Tracelink one-to-one instead of two-to-one and keep our messaging and our our go-to-market strategies combined. So there's some areas we will be much closer and others, you know, we'll we'll be doing what we typically do and vice versa, but always talking. I just had a call this morning with one of their U.S. uh, strategic, strategic account managers, collaborating on a few customers of ours that are also customers of ours, right? And some of them are customers at TraceLink.
0: Ironically, right? So, so Greg, I mean, one of the points that I, I bet that anybody who's listening to this is asking, and that is that you, you're not, this doesn't mean that you're only going to be doing work with Nova Nordisk in the future. Um, I can remember one of the grounding principles right from the beginning was that they were, they could go out and uh, do work with other companies uh, in the field. So that is still the case yeah
1: it's still the case and again I don't know the numbers exactly but you know public Nnit is a publicly traded company uh, they basically have you know healthcare or life sciences sector I'll call it which in there is the novo Nordis team that supports Nova Nordis and I think that's less than 50 percent of that group and the other uh, customer base is the other you know above 50 percent and some couple thousand customers globally so when the when the founding fathers split the company out, I think the intent was to take care of Nova Nordis first. But then again, that's almost 20 years ago. They've grown that business to every other, you know, they they work with almost every other major pharmaceutical and regional pharmaceutical companies all over the US, Europe. And like I said, China strategically they put a team in China about 10 years ago. And that team today is about a thousand people. So they have a very big footprint in China. And as you know, Rod, even with the world we live in today with COVID and all that good stuff, but China is investing a lot of money in the pharmaceutical and the biotech industry. And a lot of it is to export drugs out of China, right? So how are they going to export them into places like Europe and the U.S.? They're going to need support from companies like NNIT and Exilus. And another reason behind, you know, the acquisition of, of Excelus, because we can help them in a world of serialization and supply chain.
0: Uh, beyond the Chinese borders. yeah it's interesting that you you know one of your backgrounds uh, is on the J and; J side and I can remember almost 20 years ago when J started having a lot of the products made in China, they moved a whole J and J team to China so that they could watch over and uh, in a sense manage the governance of all Chinese operations. And now in a sense now you've got Nova Nordisk IT, uh, who has set up a business to uh, work on behalf of big companies like Nova order so I think it's a it's an exciting model it's a change model it's obviously a huge opportunity to you and as I said in the written pieces I wish you you all the best of luck so if we go on to the agile credo um, you know one of the biggest points that changes the the game I think and, and that is um, the fact that it moves to a patient-centric end-to-end model. And the fact is that you are engaged in a number of projects with large retailers, clinics, manufacturers on that downstream data side. Talk a little bit about the work uh, without mentioning any companies' names.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, as I said up front, we work with, from the day somebody makes a drug, so you, could, you know who all those companies are to the day somebody takes a drug. So today we have collaborative projects going on with major hospitals, along with a manufacturer, major retailers, along with manufacturers, and also now payers. So payers are starting to get into the mix because the payers are starting to say, hey, if Roddy's my patient because he's on my, uh, he, you know, he's my insured patient, I want to ensure that he's getting a real product, not a counterfeit product as an example. So I want a a, a dispenser to scan a serial number and ping a database that says it's authentic before that gets dispensed to my patient because I'm paying for it, right? So I'm going to start asking for uh, business changes on how things are done because I know there's data available in the supply chain. It's early, don't get me wrong, real early and that's okay. Uh, But with the dawn of 2023 coming and all supply chain data will be flowing through, The entire supply chain by then, it's only three years from now. How do we start setting the foundation to not just collaborate, but also build maybe infrastructures of technologies to capture this data, move this data in real time, right? So you don't want to hold up a pharmacist from filling a prescription. But today they scan a prescription it goes up and gets approved for payment. Why can't it get approved to say that serial number is authentic
0: in the same time frame? As as a yep. minor example, but a beautiful example, right? Yeah, that's a it's a really good point. And you know, when you when you think about it, um, you know, the 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 GMP and FDA and World Health Organization have all focused on reliable, compliant, predictable product supply. You know, we want to know that every product is what it says it is, we know where it came from, if it was meant for a cold chain, it was in the cold chain. But they've operated with these horrible demand forecast accuracies. I mean, in, in many cases, they're less than 50%. You can tell me better than what, you know, just a round number like that. But if you could improve that by 10%, and we saw this happen in the consumer goods industry, the returns are massive because not only uh, do, you, do you, I don't want to use the word guarantee, but you get closer to guaranteeing that the right product is available for the patient at the right place in the supply chain, but you also start moving the dial on reducing these two, 300 days worth of inventories that are sitting around, which they really don't need if they had better demand forecast accuracy. Is that something that's been driving your project?
1: Yeah, we're doing one right now. You'll love it. It's a beautiful example where the major manufacturer's line item fill rate says 98%. But this hospital chain, which is one of the world's largest and U.S. largest, they can't get the product supply. So why is the manufacturing saying we've got line item fill rate at 98% on this particular product, which is an oncology product, which again, high margin, high dollar value, right? And now you have the hospital chain, and this hospital chain has about 60 different facilities, so it's a big one. They don't have product in their supply chain for the demand that they have for their patients. How come they can't have that conversation together? The large manufacturer gets to sell more product, good for them. The hospital gets to take care of the patients better, good for them, also good for the patients, right? Everybody wins in that scenario, but the the walls, to your comment, have been built so high that they can never look around them in the past and know these things. But now those
0: walls are slowly coming down. And, and you know, when you think what the, what the whole vaccine warp speed race has done <laughs> is it's introduced a hell of a lot more science into vaccine development. So when you introduce more science into vaccine development, it's got to give a boost to cell and gene therapy. And cell and gene therapy says, you know, instead of dealing with a patient community of a million, people who get headaches, uh, we're now dealing with a patient community of 10 or 15 or even one. And so we need to be much more scientific in where that one patient is. And how do we guarantee that we're going to get to that one or 10 or 50 or 100 patients, the exact right product on time in full, so that they are almost 100% guaranteeing, uh, guaranteed on, on uh, um, a recovery using the, the product. So so whilst we may not see the benefit I, uh, immediately of all of this science and, and technology besides in vaccines, we're going to see it in supply chain because patient segmentation will be a lot stronger going into the future. So, you know, in the agile credo, we talk about uh, using systems to augment people's decision-making processes. So instead of just using systems to produce products with batch records that could be traced let's now use uh, systems and data in a you know untraceable way to get better demand forecast accuracies to put the right product at the right place that's got to be where you're focused in your areas in in downstream
1: yeah i mean today we're fortunate to be in the middle of the vaccine world mostly around the supply chain side of helping customer manufacturers in that space, and ultimately patients and customers. Uh, the amount of data that is being used, even in the manufacturing, you think about it, you just said it, the science and the data that's been used by all these major companies that are producing the uh, COVID-19 vaccines, the speed that they've done that in versus the past. Now, politically, a lot of people are afraid, oh, it's too early, it's not ready, and all that wonderful stuff. And I'm not going to answer that question for anybody today, but I will say the techniques, the technology, the process changes that we're learning because of this vaccine, we're gonna absolutely be able to spear ahead and use going forward in other areas, especially in the cell and gene therapy space, right? And, and in that space, the biggest challenge has always been finding the patients, which we're getting better at as well, identifying a particular disease class. To your point, it's a very small population potentially, right? And and maybe we didn't even know about them in the past and and companies certainly weren't investing in a drug that only had a couple hundred patients, but we've seen that change. We've seen the valuations of those companies, you know, some of the public records of companies that have been acquired in the last couple of years, including one down the street here in Philadelphia called Spark Therapeutics, right? For a patient population in the hundreds, right? And, And the company sold for billions of dollars because it's only the first product that they're going to make in a, in, a, in a life cycle using that technology to identify other types of disease classes and then, of course, products to fill the demand for those disease classes. That's exactly where we're going to see the time and energy
0: being spent. Well, I, th- I think the timing uh, of this acquisition, you know, that NNIT made of Excellus is, is perfect. I mean, I know the organization, I, you know, I love the Danes, I love Nova Nordisk, I love NNIT. They're very, very good thinkers. They may not be massively openly marketing oriented, which I think is something that, that Excellus Health will bring to the party in terms of, you know, talking out and into the global marketplace and talking about the supply chain work you're doing. You know, the Danes, I mean, I, the Novo Nordisk IT developed their own c strategy, which plays exactly into your strengths, right? So I think bringing the two organizations together is almost like that perfect dovetail fit. And, and I'm excited to see where it's going to go. I mean, when you think of, of TraceLink's development around APT, now I know that's one of the areas that you are focused on learning, an APT, you know, it's not just a software product, it's exactly what it says it is. It's an agile process team that allows you to bring together an autonomous, multidisciplinary work team, share data in real time, look at problems, analyze problems, give them a platform, record the, the problem, and then track it. Make sure that it doesn't come back two years later. And, and I think, you know, your experience in lean, your experience in manufacturing, your experience down to downstream supply chain is perfect for that. So I guess that you have access eventually because nothing changes overnight to all of the methodologies that NNIT have built over time, right? Yeah, and, and to your comment, yes,
1: absolutely. And again, we're learning those today in the, in the five weeks that we've been, a, you know, part of the, uh, the NNIT family. We do it. We've done a lot of education service uh, uh, seminars back and forth because it's a shared uh, belief that we can help each other, just minimally understanding what they do and what what we do. Now it's a little bit easier for Exelis to understand it. We have you know 85 or 90 people. They've got 3,000 people, so it'll take some time, but that's okay. Uh, but I think even things like we have a consortium that officially starts this Thursday, and we were going to try to do it in person, but. We switched to virtual, but it's basically three of the world's largest pharma manufacturers and three of the world's largest uh, GPOs. And they're gonna be sitting in a room thinking to your point on APT, how do we share data? What's it gonna be used for? So first, how are we gonna capture the data, right? Scan it on inbound as an example. Something comes in the back of a hospital, if I scan the unit, I know I have it. If that's the practice that I need to gather the data, How are all these hospitals gonna do it? They don't have that infrastructure yet, so they've got to do that step one. How do I then start sharing it back to the manufacturers? Don't have that infrastructure yet, that might be an APT application step two. What am I gonna do with that information now that I got it as a manufacturer? How am I gonna work with my R&D team? And how am I gonna work with my sales teams to better position me as a manufacturer to, to improve my products, my service, my delivery, my supply chains? Right, and if I do all that, how am I going to share some of that benefit back to my new trading partners? Remember, traditionally, I came out of industry. The manufacturing community didn't talk to the downstream community. Right, they didn't have great relationships. It wasn't bad relationships, but the, the data wasn't available for a what's just called a Johnson and Johnson and a CVS a, a retail store chain to be able to start passing a lot of data back and forth so they can both get smarter because of that it just wasn't there right it wasn't that people didn't try the infrastructure wasn't there the technologies weren't there they're not there yet but they're getting there with areas like serialized data
0: Like yeah. the ability to track serialized data is going to help that now it's not everything but it's going to help and and you know my last point uh, is is going to make you smile because it's it's around procter and gamble and i mean when you go back 15 years and you talk about, you know, on-shelf availability, right? Who who was tracking that at the level that P&G track it today? Uh, and, and 15 years ago, you would have said, yeah, you know, you were probably at that function when we had the retailers and the manufacturers in the same room and all the retailers sat on the one side and all the manufacturers sat on their own. And it was like a high school dance, right? Nobody spoke to each other. Today, uh, that is not the case. And and I think as fast as uh, the companies moved in the consumer goods space, I think we're going to see the same sort of speed uh, in the in the life sciences and and especially in the regulated pharmaceutical space and and you know I think everybody two things everybody's still very gun shy of the billions of dollars that a certain you know North American pharmaceutical company was fined when they shared patient data out on the on the internet and I think people are like whoa you know we never want to get into a situation like that because it's an absolute brand killer that problem's gone away with AI and machine learning you can build models of data. You don't have to share Roddy Martin's data with, you know, with everybody on the, on Correct. the plan. And, Correct. and so obviously, you know, the, the opportunity for AI and machine learning and analytics and downstream planning and working with you know joint value creation teams as png did with walmart and tesco and and sainsbury i mean those are huge opportunities for you and you've kind of lived with all those all your feet in those various camps so i think it becomes a very very exciting value proposition so greg as we as we close off um, you know if you had to give one piece of stop advice and one piece of start advice uh, to to anybody listening to this, whether they're at an executive level or a, or a, a tactical level, what would you say is the biggest stop? because I mean there's there's huge things we need to problems we need to solve. But what to you is the ah oh, here we go again, kind of stop problem?
1: Yeah, I think the easy one is is willing if stop thinking like the past, right. right. Because 30 years of doing it a certain way, we've proven that it didn't work. And I won't even say 30, 50 years worth of it. We've proven that, to your point, you know, I don't want to talk to somebody in my supply chain because I've got so much opportunity myself to protect what's mine. Actually, my message is share what's mine with what's yours. One, we're going to both get much more value out of it. But more importantly than the value, it's what are the patients going to get out of it? Right. What are we going to be able to do to reduce the cost in the supply chain? If you look at the healthcare cost, not just manufacturing, but all the way through to every hospital, every clinic, every nursing home. Because remember, we talk about supply chain of pharmaceutical drugs, right? They're going to doctors' offices, clinics, hospitals. Of course, all your retailers, all your food stores, all have pharmacies on it, in them, right? Every nursing home where grandma is 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 resting her head every night from bed has a pharmacy in it. All that extended supply chain has been kind of ignored over the years. So we have to stop ignoring it and stop and start paying attention to it and driving change because of that. The value will come, right? There's no doubt about it. the values are enormous, right. right? Just a little bit of change as you said on inventory reduction. If I just reduced inventory in the pharmaceutical supply chain by 5%, it will be billions of dollars of savings per year,
0: right? Just 5%, can I do 20? Wow. What if I could do 20? It, it, it's, it's uh, I mean, the numbers are absolutely huge. I mean, the whole world is going to pay for every person on the planet, give or take a few percentage, to be vaccinated, right? Everyone, yeah. nobody's going to pay out of their pocket. So it's going to take a whole chunk of change out of the whole healthcare government, healthcare system to pay for everybody to be vaccinated. You bet... That after this vaccine process has sort of kicked underway and uh, companies and and governments and countries sit down and start looking at the cost of all of this, uh, there's going to be a much more focus on how do we get the costs of healthcare down? You know, I... Remember when when I was at AMR Research, Gartner, and we spoke about you know in those days it was five years to take a drug to market, and then Novartis came up with a drug to market in a thousand days, and now we've just seen a hundred days. So I mean, this is gonna this is gonna catapult uh, phenomenally just because new capabilities, new approaches, the introduction of science. So I think you're exactly right. I think start by collaborating and stop literally stop doing business the way you saw it in the past. You know, Jeff Glass, uh, um, who, who used to be with Paytheon. I mean, that's exactly what Jeff said. Stop thinking about the past as the barrier. It's not, uh, it's the future. Start thinking about what you're going to do differently in the future. So uh, uh, Greg, this is fantastic. I wish you, you know, the greatest amount of luck with, you know, your Nova Nordisk IT partners. I think from my backseat, Knowing both of your companies, I think that you stand to do really well because it's a good match of of uh, governances and cultures. Uh, and and I think the market is very right um, to to use what you can deliver. So any closing points that you want to make to anybody? No,
1: I want to thank you guys for the time. I think you are correct. I think collaboratively NNIT and excellence will do great things together. I think we recognize that in the diligence process. You think about it they came to us in the middle of a pandemic and we were able to close the deal in five months in the same pandemic which and you know now we're in round two as you all know and now we have to figure out how to help that each other through the next phase of that pandemic and beyond right as, as partners now and i think we'll do that we both have the will to do that i think we have great cultures like you said earlier i would only close in this in in, in this discussion I hope that our industry thinks the same way in general. I hope that this pandemic opens up everyone's eyes that says, if we collaborate, we can do better, right? And this is proving it. Between making these products that are what I heard this morning, they're gonna be uh, entering people's arms this week in the UK, maybe even as early as today or tomorrow, I believe, and in the US next week, right? That's unheard of. Now, how do we take this learning and make it repeatable over and over and over in our supply chain, because that'll really drive a lot of I change.
0: Think, yeah, really well said, because I think the, the distraction of politics will disappear eventually out of this yeah. equation one way or another. And yeah. I think now we're got to take stock and say, you know, what did we learn from this? And I, I really don't believe that the industry is going to sit back and say, well, you know, let's, let's have another bash and see if we can do it better next time. I, I, that's not going to happen. So, again, good luck for the future. I wish you all the luck and uh, thank you.
1: Thanks, Roddy. Take care. Enjoy.